0: Hey, Rockheads, if you haven't already checked out Music to Code By, you really should, especially if you need to focus on anything, like programming. But it's great for kids doing homework, great for reading, great for writing, anything that you need to focus on. The results speak for themselves. I've got hundreds of satisfied customers. Go check out their comments and more at mtcb.pwop.com. DotNet Rocks, episode 1204. With guest, Demis Bellat. Recorded Wednesday, October 7th, 2015. Hey, it's time for DotNet Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, 1,200 and something. Well, Well, I've done 1,100 and something. I'm the new guy. I was just talking about today. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, how long have you been playing a guitar? Oh, about half an hour. <laughs> uh, never gets old. Never gets old. How you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm real good.
1: I'm excited about our plans for this Azure tour. Yeah. So we are hither and yon once again. Yep. Yeah, we will have a link of where you can go to sign up and register. But uh, rattling them off off the, off the top of my head, our first stop, there's a whole bunch of Azure Tour stops. So right. If you go to the Azure Tour, you'll see a ton of them. Some of them are two days, some of them are one day. We're primarily focused on the one day ones. Uh, first one we'll be at is in November, November 18th in Stockholm, Sweden. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to be in Tel Aviv, Israel, December 2nd. Very nice. And Paris, France, December 7th. Right. And our last two will be Frankfurt, Germany, February 26th, and Budapest, Hungary, on March 1st. And I've had a few folks from Budapest pinging me just today, <laughs> saying, super excited, I can't wait for you to try uh, uh, the uh, evil plum uh, distillate that they make up there. The sort the, of you, the, the rakia. Yeah, call it the- Slivovitz, the... Uh, the, the Romanian word's a bit of a bear. And I mentioned that I have a soft spot for Moldovan divan. I have lost a couple of weekends to it, to,
0: to be honest. Is that the stuff that's sort of like grappa or rakia, but the Romanian version of it? That's the plum stuff. Divan is much more like brandy. Okay. But it's
1: it's largely only sold in Eastern Romania, Moldova. Apparently, the Russians buy all mm. of it because it's that good. Well,
0: .dotnet Rocks, drinking our way around the
1: world. That's it. So, For your uh, pleasure. And, uh, one of the fans uh, immediately said, oh, sure, no problem. His name was Izlai. He said, uh, I'll pick some up before Christmas and uh, be sure to bring it with me. So, that sounds fun. Yeah, I suspect you'll be tasting some of this. To- Dude, it's
0: really good. Well, great. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. <laughs> It's going to be fun all the way around. It's going to be a lot of fun. But right now, it's time for Better Know Framework. Awesome. All right, dude, what we got? Well, this one is a um, a nice little tool that comes by way of one of the AppV Next guys, Brian McKay. And it's called ether.outcomes. And it's a little outcome. Uh, it's called outcome.net, basically. But that's its GitHub title is ether.outcomes. Right. And uh, it's a little sort of a spin on the notification pattern. It's a result wrapper. Great for those awkward moments when you need to return a value, but you also might need to return a list of validation messages, warnings, or a success bit. You know, sort of not just a tuple, but it could be a multiple. So it's uh, particularly useful in MVC projects do a lot of AJAX calls. If you serialize outcome objects back to the client, you end up with a standard interface for most of your callbacks. And that opens doors for reuse on the JavaScript side. Pretty cool little tool. Nice. Outcome.net. Outcome.net. So you can get there at tinyurl.com slash outcome net. Nice. There you go. That's really cool, man. Know it, learn it, love it. And good job, Brian. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed
1: a comment off a of show 942, when we did at NBC London uh, back in 2013. Now, this was published in 2014. That was a panel discussion we had with Glenn Block and Daryl Miller and uh, Pedro Christian Weyer and Dominic Beyer, mm-hmm. uh, and Daniel Roth. It was a big panel, as you recall. And we were talking about... We ended up going all over the place. The the overall topic was just talking about web API, but we ended up talking a lot about WCF. And uh, Service Stack was specifically mentioned. Right. And Darren Fuller, and of course, he wrote this comment two years ago, so surprise, Darren, uh, <laughs> said... Uh, awesome show as always, guys. The first time I heard about Web API, well, I was sitting in a small room with some guys from Microsoft talking about a new line of products coming up with the need for a restful web service. Mm. At the time, I was looking at either WCF, which was heavyweight, cumbersome, and known with known performance issues when hosted in IIS. Yes. Or service stack. Yeah, The latter was looking more promising of the two, but the authentication story was letting me down a bit. Mm-hmm. I was busy griping about the state of affairs, and one of the guys said, have you heard about Web API coming out? A quick lunch break and plenty of Googling around, and suddenly my wish list of features was all checked off. Soon I was back in the room ready to throw my arms around them. <laughs> we're a ways down the line now, and it's still working great. Naturally, there were a few things it needed working on, but Microsoft's been keeping up with our needs and releasing features like attribute routing, and now, as of this morning, global error handling. Again, this is two years ago meaning that we can start discarding third-party components and keeping our stack nice and lean. I don't know that I agree with this. You know, that, that it's leaner just because it's Microsoft code? Third-party stuff can be lean, too. Mm-hmm. Most of the guys in the company had their first exposure to REST through Web API, and it shows great credit to Microsoft that they were able to pick it up and be productive so quickly, delivering great features to our customers and benefit to the business. Well, I know there have been some recent benchmarks showing Web API to be not one of the most performant, given the number of customers we are likely to reach in the ease of development and the ability to scale vertically and horizontally. I don't see it as much of an issue. Wait a second, dude. If you can scale, why don't you care about the benchmarks? Mm. I'd rather be in a position where the devs can start writing web services quickly and efficiently, making use of the skills they already have, rather than learning something new from scratch. Like Web API.
0: Well, Wow. Okay. <laughs>
1: Anyway, like I said before, great show, guys, and thanks for keeping my commute work bearable and strangely productive. Yeah. So I just thought this was really interesting. I, I, you know, Darren, you got the you got a Microsoft bias here that I think is not small. Not that I have, there's nothing wrong with Web API, no question about it. But clearly, you rode the early train on this. I just wonder if he's come back around to a place where something like server Stack would make more sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. It is a two year old comment, too. Yeah, it is two year comment. I'd be interested to see where he is now. Right. So, you know what I'll do is I'll bribe him with a mug. Hey, yeah. Darren, <laughs> how about we send you a mug and you can, you know, revisit your comment and uh, tell us a little more about how things are two years later. Right. And uh, thank you so much for that comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at com or via any of the social medias because we've got Google Plus and Facebook posts for every show. And
0: if you write a comment there, we'll send you a mug. Well, we're very excited to have back on the show Demis Bellet, who's the creator and project lead of ServiceStack, which we were just talking about. Demis, welcome back.
2: Uh, Hey, guys. Uh, Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, we talked to you in, oh, geez, when was it? February 2013, I think?
2: Uh, Okay, yeah. That's two years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was about ServiceStack, but we had heard about it. I think it was on a road trip talk. John Sanmez talked to us in, I believe it was San Antonio, Texas. And uh, we that was the first time we had heard of it. And then we did the show with you. And so it's been a couple of years. So what's happening in the service stack world?
2: Uh, yeah, well, um, so the last two years, I've actually been full-time on it. I've uh, s- since resigned from Stack Overflow. That was over two years ago. Right. A- and uh, now I've been working full-time.
1: On service stack?
2: Yeah, on service stack. Yeah, it's, it's now it's a, it's a commercial uh, product. Um, it's a GPL, uh, pho- uh, fossil license exception, which just means it's commercial for commercial projects. If you open source project, you can just use the source code, which is all on all on GitHub. Um, so yeah, now, uh, basically having like full uninterrupted development is just like, like you know, the, the last two years have been way more productive than the five before it, since it was just like a part time project. And um, yeah, so it's been able, yeah, do a lot more features now. For instance, we're uh, we integrate with all the major IDEs. Right. Um, again, because of our because um, of our development model, because our message-based design is actually really, really simple to uh, provide deep integration to all the different IDEs. Um, because we use a, a DTO-first uh, uh, message-based design and a DTO-first, um, uh, so every service has a has a contract as an explicit service contract. The only uh, it basically follows the remote service pattern where you have a service gateway. A, um, the DTO sending it to the service interface. So the contract that you just, you def- service stack basically, uh, forces you to def- define your contract explicitly with, um, in clean messages. Mm. And then basically those that you, your client is only needs to use those DTOs. It doesn't need any other machinery to access all the source code. So all that other machinery to get a clean typed and, uh, you know, end to end typed API on the clients is um he's just he's just using one of the existing .net generic uh, reusable service clients um and we have one for every, all the different content types so json uh, jsv xml protobuf message pack and all that stuff um for the diff basically have uh, different various performance and uh, uh, versionability and stuff like that
0: tell us about react desktop apps and, okay. and how you guys fit in there
2: Uh, so we just, that's our, from the last version, we just shipped that. It's pretty exciting. Um, so we have, uh, so we basically, we have two, uh, modern single, single page app templates. Basically, it uses the Node.js packaging system. So it uses Bower, Grunt for all the the build tasks and, and basically have one for Angular and one for React. So we have the, the React based system and it, it has an optimal development model where it's library load. If you change the Razor page and you can refresh, if you change the JavaScript, you can refresh because it uses a uh, inline JSX transformer. I'm not sure if you know what, how React works, but, um, it, it basically compiles on the fly. So, it, so it's, it provides a really good development experience. And mm. then you have these grunt tasks to optimize and bundle the package. And then we have another grunt task that you can fill in a simple config file yeah. and we'll, it will automatically deploy that app to ASP. Our website. So this React desktop templates, React desktop apps that we shipped in the last release in the 4.04. 6 release. Mm-hmm. Uh, we build on those templates. We've built on that React-based single-page app, and now, in addition to the ASP.NET web project, which is, has your React single-page app, we also provide a console app, uh, self-hosting console app, mm-hmm. which is a cross-platform, runs on uh, Windows, Linux, and OS X. It, uh, it's headless, so when you launch it, it actually launches the operating system's prefer- user's preferred web browser, so you, you have this uh, complete uh, web application in a single exe. That, you, that automatically launches a browser. So you get this nice experience. We have one for Windows Forms, uh, WinForms. So you get a, a, a rich desktop, native app with the React web app inside it.
0: I love it. Yeah, that's crazy cool.
2: And, and that uses a, a Chromium browser. So it uses Ceph Sharp Binding. So because the, the existing web browsers of control in WinForms is like an old outdated IE. It's, it's basically useless for anything, you know, other than text. Mm. Um, but but if you use Chromium, it actually you have a really good experience um, and because it's a you know it's a WinForms app, and the nice thing about it, like because uh, we have like ServiceStack has also like uh, built-in server events, so it's real-time notifications. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, we have the, one of the demos that we had was a React chat, which is a complete like multi-user chat uh, application. And now you can launch multiple instances of that, and you can actually remote control the other Windows Forms like naturally. Like you didn't even have to design it that way. Wow. It's just because the way it works, the because you have a ServiceStack hosted inside an app. Uh, when the when you launch the second one, because it's on the same port, it actually listens to the the original one. So whatever you do in one app, you like you can play a YouTube video, resize the window, it, the other one happens. And so we have a YouTube video of, of basically this: you can launch multiple instances of the app. And, we, and you can send it a command and you can just like completely remote control the other Windows app desktop, which is pretty cool.
0: All right. Let me back up just a little bit because there's a few things that you went in over kind of fast. And I want to just sort okay. of make sure I understand them. Sure. Um, you're, you're saying that your people are embedding service stack within a client app?
2: Yeah. In a WinForms and OSX. We also have an OSX Cocoa app, so a native desktop application. And
0: so this sort of provides that layer within on the client side.
2: It provides the, the entire app. So, I mean, you couldn't tell. The entire tell. app. Yeah. So, you can't tell that it's a – win. You, you really can't tell it's not a, a native app or a web app because the whole surface is a Windows format.
0: And because it's using React, everything except the UI is service stack. Uh,
2: so, service stack is because is to communicate for the br- the browser to uh, the back end. So, you need to go through like Ajax, for instance. So, you yeah. still it's still a web browser the web browser control, which takes up the whole surface of gotcha. the UI, um, all the, everything you do on it, you like server code you do on it, mm-hmm. it is via AJAX to the backend. And what you're doing is communicating with Service stack, a self-hosted Service stack application inside
0: uh, inside, inside your app.
2: Inside. Oh, the wind Yeah, the Windows app.
0: So you're, you're basically doing all that stuff within the same app, and then the right. service stack is going out and talking to your services and all that, and abstracting all that away.
2: Well, service stack is your service host. It hosts all your services.
0: Right, but somewhere there's going to be a data store somewhere in the cloud or something that it's going to have to talk to you, right?
2: Well, okay, so we have another app version of the app called uh, Redis React Apps. So U- Redis is a local data store. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, about it yesterday, we have a really popular client for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so a good use case for this, for instance, is to uh, provide a UI for your local Redis instance, right? Because I see. Um, you don't need a server, you don't need a service, so you can just um, connect to it, and then uh, navigate it really quickly. And because of it, cuz it's a web application it actually provides a better navigation story cuz you have forward back navigation but you also can easily like change the ui like, like cuz you could actually deep link into different parts of the ui and stuff like that
0: but you are talking about a, a client side data store
2: no uh redis is a distributed data structure server so it's like a it's a no data store I it's see. an in memory no good data store but i'm just saying like it's it's headless right the, I got the you. interface you normally get it is a is a command line and so the, there are a few different um uis for it so this is the perfect this is like a really good use case for for something like this because um you can't really provide an online service on the cloud to talk to your local redis instant redis database and you can't use javascript because it's not a HTTP people yeah redis is a has its own really efficient wire format you can't talk to it via a website normally right so you need to use a um De- desktop application to talk to it mm. and so this is end up being a, like it's like talking to uh, SQL Server right you, sure. your, your local your internal database SQL Server database you can't have a, a remote cloud like uh, something on Azure that talks to your remote database because of the firewalls and you know you need to expose it and stuff like that but um, so this actually lets you build an application like a, we have a, the Windows or X desktop application mm-hmm. and you you can just put in your internal URL to the Redis and connect to it and then it automatically lets you navigate throughout the, you know, provides an auto-complete API, automatically lets you, and it provides pretty, uh, it provides a really uh, nice user interface because the JSON that you get, the JSON blobs you get are actually a very human readable, uh, so you get an instant glance at the data.
0: So it sounds kind of black boxy to me. How much control do you actually have inside that
2: app? Uh, so it's everything. So it's, it's so service Stack is like a, a complete service framework. You have all the control that you have right so so to to package this app into a windows form it's the same app you would um create as a web, asp a web app but the grunt tasks that we have inside basically packages it into this container so so instead so um I see. So 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 react uh, net is the ASP.NET version of it. So it's I the same it. app.
0: So it's 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 very much sort of like the Cordova idea or the PhoneGap idea where the whole app is packaged inside of a web browser and then that can go to any kind of client.
2: Uh yeah, but it has deep integration with the actual WinForm. So you you know you you're directly you can directly control the window location and Got it. and stuff like that. So yeah. it's a uh, it's very much uh JavaScript and a bridge uh, service tax hosting is like uh, hosting effectively a uh, JSON services uh, or is like you would do a normal React app, it, but instead of it talking back to the eight server remote server, it talks back to the self hosting service stack service inside the Windows application, right?
1: Right. So you're using you're created web services without any web, Yep. right?
2: It's self hosting console app, yeah, right. it, So, so yeah, so service stack has uh, you can be on ASP Internet or you can uh, run it in, inside a. Uh, self-hosting console apps, so you don't need any anything else. It's completely encapsulated. The nice thing about the Cocoa version, the Cocoa OSX X version, it needs Xamarin Mac, but is that um, Mono lets you embed Mono inside it, inside the package, so um, you don't actually need Mono installed. So you don't even need the .NET Framework installed. You can so the Cocoa app of the Cocoa version uh, of uh, of React, the Redis React, lets you download it without, end users can download it without having Mono installed, for instance. Nice because .NET normally needs the .NET framework installed on the host machine yeah. but mono lets you embed it like that you know as part of their um their value that they provide for as as um iOS and Android they let you package mono inside the app so they use that technology for Xamarin.Mac. Mac so it's a nice feature that uh because not i mean i don't think a lot of end users have mono installed so it's a nice be to be able to create an application a cocoa application that you can distribute widely without them having needing to have mono installed
0: wow
1: yeah, it's just an interesting architecture and saying, ah, we'll package it all up inside of a single app for you mm. as well. But yeah. I guess it does open the door to, should you want to be able to move the services onto another machine or anything like that, you, it's it's just a configuration setting, really.
2: It's just a URL. I mean, that's the nice thing about service tech. You just right. change the URL.
1: From the local host to a yeah. remote machine. Yep.
2: Right, exactly. Um that that's a lot. and that's like that's what you're doing when you are opening multiple windows form instances. It's just pointing to like the different URL. Like so you get remote control for free by just by having the other instance point to the first one.
0: And what's nice about that is you get the the CPU power of your local client that's dedicated. You're taking a lot less load off of your data server.
2: But you also break the web browser of sandbox. So something yeah. like connecting to Redis or, uh, is something you can't do in, you know, in in a web browser. So sure. Anything that, native, like you, you also can have a hybrid. So GitHub actually, the GitHub Windows app and the OSX app, they follow a similar approach. They have a hybrid a native app, which embeds um, the web browser control in it. And they actually embed Sharp, which is a Chromium browser, in the mm-hmm. WinForms app. So they actually follow this as well. And I honestly, I, I haven't done Windows apps for, for ages because I think it's a waste of an investment. I, I yeah. think it's um, – so I, I think having a web um, based UI is way more productive to do and way more reusable. So this app that you that you're building, you do it all through ASP.NET. So and then we then we ship. Uh, then you can deploy that ASP.NET web app. So you don't even have to think about it being packaged. But then we have a grunt task that automatically packages it up for you into this app. And so. You get a lot of reuse and investment from building a UI, and the nice thing about React is it does feel like a native app because the it really does a really nicely with the state changes. It only does when you make, when you change state, it only re renders what it needs to. Right. So you get a really nice nice. Native native uh, feel with it, and you really just don't get the flicker with React. It's really really good, um, so it does feel like a native app. Uh, it, but it, you get the benefit of naviga- the navigation, the back linking, and um, you, that's not common in desktop apps because it's really hard to deep link and mm-hmm. then you know change the routing and stuff like that. You get that for free. We got yeah. keyboard shortcuts that make it really quick. You can navigate around quickly. Uh, so I think it's a really good experience. And so a lot of line of business apps that were you that were using Silverlight, I I think this provides like a better. Uh, option. Sure. Then doing that. Cause you, you still get, you get more than the framework of, of Silverlight. Cause it's kind of a crippled.NET runtime. Um, you get the whole thing, got the whole data, net, 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 net app. Um, uh, you, .NET can actually, um, so you can, you can have in SQLite embedded as well, right? And then ha- have a local SQLite database, which is, so you, you get a relational database in an embedded file, you know, so you can have a data driven web app, uh, Windows app as well. And when
0: you say you support all these clients, are you supporting mobile clients too? iOS? I noticed Swift is supported.
2: Ah, so that, that's a, that goes to our story of our client story. That's, yeah, that's automatically. So we have Xcode 7 and support Swift. We have that integration. So this is because, this is the way you develop service stack is to build these DTOs in a disconnected, uh, you build these, uh, the type DTOs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the, when you go into Xcode and you point to a service stack URL, all, all that's doing is pulling down that detail in that language. Of choice, so you get Swift all the C sharp DTOs. You get them all translated to Swift, and then we have a, a JSON service client in Swift. So it provides a automatic API. So you use the, the same JSON service client with the DTOs, and then you have this end to end type API uh, for free. Like and and the, it's really highly customizable as well. Like uh, you can choose to exclude uh, types or include them. Um, you can change the namespaces and stuff like that.
0: So you're saying once you build your service stack. Uh, app for, I guess, is what you're saying. Yep. Then you just push a button and you get the Swift version of that, which you can then compile into an iOS app in Xcode seven.
2: Right. Um, so this is this is completely different. This is when you have a, a service stack server, right? You have mobile app developers building in Swift. I see. So again, nothing to do with a React depo- as the right. template. So they're building an iOS or an OSX app in Swift. Okay. Now, but they want to talk to a service backend. I see. All they need to do, they install the ServiceStack plugin. They go add service stack reference. They put in the base URL of the service stack uh, remote server. It pulls down all the DTOs for the remote server, so you get a typed API. It pulls down the JSON service client, and it's Got not it. even uh, there's not even like any libraries. That that's all that is source code. There's JSON source service client is all source code. So they get full debuggability. You get the, um, all, you know the whole thing is in source code. You get a typed API. Wow. So we have a website where we created to kind of uh, demonstrate the AngularJS single page template. So it's called techstacks.io. Um, that's it's like a Wikipedia full of like people that publish their tech uh, stack uh, on Hacker News. We uh, I'll just take a and put it in, and it provides a nice visual of the. So you get to see who's using what languages, and you know, uh, all the favorite startups because they they, use, they generally share that information. So we we built that in the Angular. It's a single page app, and then when we added Swift, we just built a Swift app using this. Like if they we didn't we like at the time we built the Angular, we didn't have any. Um, you know, we didn't have any ideas to build a Swift app, but because it's that easy, you just point a URL to it. You get the 10 type API in Swift. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can bu- you can build your client. You, you even fetch images, like because Stack you can. All, it also provides way, uh, ways to get the binary um, stuff back. Um, and and then we did that again for Android. So the same thing. Um, you, you know, in, we we integrate with Android Studio and Eclipse, and it's the same thing. You you uh, write file, add Stack reference, point to the URL, and you and it pulls in. Uh, All the Java, all the DTOs in Java, and then it adds the uh, Java Java Android client, which is every JSON service client that works exactly the same way, but it's idiomatic for that platform. So the and we basically try it as closely match the C sharp client as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously Java is pretty limited because the one point seven actually is actually quite horrible. But we can do the, we can, cause we, cause we, uh, allow code gen, we, we can actually embed, cause, cause of the type erasure, you can, it's really hard to have a good API, but because we, um, we can code gen those DTOs, we actually embed the type inside the return type in the, inside the request DTO. So you get a really, the, you get the best API that can, you can get on Java, um, because, you know, because of basically our, our approach. Um, and yeah, so it's, uh, and it, and it, we support Eclipse as well for a pure Java project. It doesn't have to be Android. And, uh, yeah, you get a really nice, uh, story with both sync and async. Uh, with async, Java doesn't have a real, a real story. So we use the Android async pa- background tasks. So that's basically so it, the, you executed it on the background thread. Wow. And that, that, all that's, all that's inbuilt into the UI. And same with Swift. Um, they don't actually have an established story, but we use the promises version, which is very close to C sharp tasks without the async await sugar. It's, it's basically that. It's, it's as good as you can get on Swift since they don't, um, support a, a sync await.
0: Oh my gosh. You've, you've been yep. busy
2: yeah and i will also and i will also say on the tech Stacks app there is a there's a little link um that says show me the seo version because it's all built in angular but we have a link and, it, and then it automatically um has a server-side rendered page so the whole website rendered in with server-side instead of angular so no angular at all and that's very easy because all we're doing is creating these server-side razor views and then there's a single service that says okay if they want if they want." Like the angular version, we just will let them render it on the client, otherwise we'll just serve, we'll send them back the server HTML so that was that's very, very simple to do uh, and so it's basically saying that you can build one service stack app and you don't even have to care about the different versions because because you because if you build it with with the, the services, you can just naturally like connect to all, multiple like clients on different platforms uh very easily
0: Wow, uh well, uh Richard, yeah buddy, you know what time it is now? What time is it, buddy? Time to go home and rethink my life. (laughs) (laughs) It must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, do you know Swift, Objective-C, and Java? Can you use them in tools like Xcode and Android Studio? If so, awesome. For everyone else, there's NativeScript a cross-platform framework for building native iOS and Android apps using skills you already have, JavaScript or TypeScript, CSS, and XAML-like XML markup. Start building your dream native mobile apps today. Use the NativeScript CLI for free or use NativeScript in Visual Studio with a Telerik platform subscription, which enables you to build iOS apps without the glowing Apple. Get started for free at telerik.com slash nativescript. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Matt Crowley. Ah, congratulations, Matt. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. Golf clap for Matt. Matt just won the Telerik DevCraft Collection, a big pile of awesome from our sponsor, Telerik. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big get free stuff button, answer a few questions and join the .net rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away a technology shopping spree valued at $5,000 to one lucky member of the .net rocks fan club. But you got to sign up to win. We also like to ask our guest, Demis, if you had five thousand dollars to spend on technology today, what would you buy?
2: Um, so I, I think my Apple equipment's getting like a couple years old, so it's time to. Oh refresh. no! <laughs> yeah, the I, know, tooth. I know, I know, I know, it's bad. Uh, so, so the iMac's the only thing that's not Retina, so I really want to get that. Um, I was looking at, so I'll get the the latest five K Retina iMac. Yeah. Um, I was looking at um, the iPad Pro when it comes out, but I got surprised by the surface book that that they showed yesterday Yeah,
1: i ordered one the moment they announced it i was just gonna say that's it i want one of those
2: i mean i think they actually finally hit the perfect form factor so i think uh, yeah that that could be a hit so i'm actually i'll wait to try it out but uh if it if it shows you know if it does what it says it does it's a i'd probably get that as well
0: yeah what about the uh three thousand dollar hololens developer edition oh uh
2: yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes i mean it's gonna be a tough battle with the um uh, Oculus Rift. I mean, that seems to have a lot of momentum behind mm-hmm,
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the
0: same products though. T-
2: right.
1: Because uh, HoloLens is not virtual reality.
2: Yeah, augmented reality, sure.
0: Oculus requires a PC whereas, uh, yeah, the uh, HoloLens is a PC. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I haven't actually tried either, so I'll have to try both and then hmm. um, get out. But yeah, 3000 is a bit steep. I'm not a games developer, so... Sure. It's, I can't really justify it.
1: You currently have a pretty serious dev project. I suspect you don't need another one.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no not uh, much time left over time actually. Yeah,
1: and I don't want to walk by that 5K screen either because I've been keeping a close eye on uh 5120
2: by 2880. Yeah, it's um. I I, I mean, I I often go to the Apple shop just to check it out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one of
2: these one of these days.
1: The DPI is just a bit too high. If I you know most of the there's the Apple one and which is an all in one, and then Dell makes a 27 inch 5K. Yeah. If there was a 32 inch 5K, I would seriously consider it because at 27 inches, you're just like you're never going to use those pixels anyway, you can't see them. Mm. You're going to zoom everything. Like there's just no point.
2: Yeah, but I, I found because I've had a 30 inch before. Um, I, I, it, it kind of gets to we have to look, move your head to look at the different corners of the screen. I think 27 yeah. is pretty, um, pretty good. Like, yeah, definitely- I,
1: I disagree with you. I have a 30 inch 2560 right now, and the idea yeah. that I would get a monitor. That is smaller than this one and twice the resolution. Yeah, it's scary, right? It's like, what, what would you see,
0: especially <laughs> yeah. at our age? <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: I got a lot of the photos that you take; they, they're really wasted, so you can actually finally see them on a on a 5K. Um, yeah, the pixels. So that that's, that'll be nice.
1: Yeah, you can really, really see them. Well, you can't actually see them, but you can see enough that you can't see them.
2: Yeah, yeah, but it's. um like all that detail that's like you know because it's like megabytes every photo so all that detail we don't actually have a medium that we can actually enjoy it in like properly um but i think yeah i think you need a large retina screen to to take it
0: okay let's talk about uh service stack on the cloud side or on the server side what um what does this look like Where, where does it run and uh what you know does it work in containers for example what's the story there
2: um so it's, it deploys, it's like an Azure web application. So anywhere Azure Network goes, you, you can go. We've got customers on AWS. Uh, we're running all the service stack on AWS. So okay. the service website and all our live demos. So all our 25 live demos, like tech stacks, is actually very snappy. And it's just a one app on a small AWS instance. Um, and so on on, on AWS, so it actually performs pretty well, actually. Um, I'm probably because I'm sitting, I'm living right in the same region as the data center. So
1: nice. What's the so What's the scaling strategy? Do I just throw a bigger and bigger VM at my server stack host, or am I better off going across many instances?
2: Uh, so yeah, it's like a so it's a, like a vanilla AS-700 app. We have, um, all the, so we have multiple caching providers, uh, we Azure, we, uh, DB, we have an Azure client, but the, we, obviously we want Redis is the best, I think, uh, we, we have a fantastic client for it. Um, yeah. Redis is a really, like, one of the fastest, it's definitely the most feature rich noise skill in memory data store. Uh, and it's beautifully simple and elegant. So yeah, um, you'd use, you'd use, and we have a great caching story as well. Um, so you'd use, you'd use that for, uh, for that. Um, you know, we also have uh, support message queues so this is the thing with the service that because of the way it's designed um, your, your same service that you build can actually be called by a message queue host so that right. provides natural load balancing if, if you know if you get all a stream of messages coming in you can just add multiple services uh, r- launch multiple instances all pointing at the same broker and they naturally load balance like without any configuration
0: now you mentioned tech stacks that's a demo app right or sort of an yeah app-
2: it's an it's angular js uh one of, one of our live demos we've got like 25 of them. So, but yeah okay. it's one of the live demos TechStacks.io um, it's, it's an angular js app and also we have on that TechStacks app you see the uh, link to the swift app and the android app built and all the source codes available they're just separate apps okay um and yeah and so it's yeah, you know, it's very it, like the if you look at the source code for the Swift, it's very clean. Like it's as clean as you would get if you built in like a native framework. I actually haven't seen a better uh, client story because uh, um, everything else would involve a lot more machinery, and that they generate the proxy API. But because we uh, we have a strict uh, type DTOs that's decoupled from the server implementation, and that you can just reuse on the client, you can use the same generic service client um, on the client. And and it yeah, provides the whole thing. So uh yeah, so the text is just that we built it first a single page app and then we thought we added Swift support, so let's build a Swift app to show you how, how to use it. And we just used it. We didn't have to change anything except to update the DLLs on the TextX app to, to get the Swift support. That that's all we had to do. Um and so same with the Java. Once we implemented the Java, we updated the L's that had it, and then you automatically got DTOs for 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 it. Um so yeah, so that so it is a demo site, it's it showcases Uh, the development of the AngularJS modern template. Um, and we have a React template as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it is a demo site, but, but it is useful content though. So if you want to explore what tech stack your favorite startups are using, you can actually see it at a glance. So it does, it actually quite informative, even though it's, it's an example app that we built. It, it also actually is quite informative.
1: So. Now I'm starting to think in terms, you know, we talked about running the whole server stack in a workstation so that it can be basically connectivity independent. Throw a little queuing in there and you could you could actually have a system where uh, and I've run into exactly the situation. I have salespeople on the road with erratic connectivity who are maintaining a copy of inventory in their local machine and then sync whenever they can sync. Mm-hmm. And, and, but still want to always be able to take the order and, and know where the inventory was up to a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they know it's going to, it's going to have a certain amount of latency and that's okay. Sometimes you'll end up backwarding something, but most of the time it's at least, you know, if you were out when you let, if they they were out of an item, when they left the building, they're probably still out of that item. So they know that in advance, it's just the individual counts that are different. Do yep. you see this as a pattern you do with service stack where I'd have a backend service with a queue link to a local copy on a workstation or a, on a laptop?
2: Uh, so definitely, um, the queuing is, it is naturally good for offline because you can just naturally, you accept the order, you you put up a queue and then once, once the link is open, you can send those messages in again.
1: Right. And also pick up the new inventory data. Like you, you have, you get eventual consistency that way.
2: Yeah, and, and it's definitely nice that way. Um, the this is the nice thing about a message-based design—you can serialize that message at any time. It's decoupled from the server implementation. So yeah. that's all. That, that's all. That's all the message queue is doing. We got a version for Redis as well. Um, it can just sit in the server, and then once it's up again, it just pulls it, pulls it again. So if you had microservices, for instance, and you communicated via um, like a message queue broker, so one publishes it to send it to the other one, you could you could completely shut down the target web microservice, uh, or and then. All these messages, all these queues naturally pile up, and then when you open it again, it just processes what's in the queue. So right. it, it, it's very resilient. Um, the, I mean, this is one of these are the benefit. This is not like a benefit; of service like, it's just the benefit of message queues. And because we can, uh, that you can call the same services with the message queue, um, it, you just get these natural benefits basically for free.
1: What's the queuing stack? Uh,
2: so it, it, so we have two. We have one for Redis and one for RabbitMQ. Um, right. and they're just two different MQ, um, M- 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 but basically. Brokers, they point to a, a, a like a RabbitMQ or Redis instance, um, and they just wait for messages to come. And then, as soon as they come, they'll they'll basically forward that message to the service stack service control, which executes the message. Then you get the response back, and then you basically it has an opinionated like workflow. So if you like, if it's if it, it was if it failed like a DLQ. Um, it basically sends a knack back on RabbitMQ, then then it re- pl- retries it again so it has an automatic retry so it, it, you get you know resiliency for that um and then if it if it fails more than the exceeded a lot of times it puts in the del- dead letter queue so it actually saves it so someone else can go and like modify the message if they know what, what the problem was and then replay it so it's it, you have a really it 's a lot more resilient often than than HTTP, which has to be real time if you, if like the service is not available and you make a request to it you 're dead whereas a message queue it, the, the actual thing that processing the messages doesn't have to be up, um, and, and the broker will can happily queue it. Uh, and then when it's up again, it just naturally pulls all the messages. So that, that's yeah. the benefit of, of being decoupled.
1: And I think if you're greenfielding, you probably go Redis. It just sounds like that's the preferred stack. But if you've got an existing RabbitMQ implementation, you're going to be able to drop this into it, no trouble.
2: Uh, so I, th- I think Redis is great because, you know... Uh, if you have a high performance solution, you're going to have it anyway. So, yeah. so you can you can so you can use it. The one the one problem is it doesn't. It's not a it like it has these primitives like data, uh, remote list data structures that we use to queue it up. But it's not a. Uh, it wasn't designed as a message queue. Like the the the, the uh, author of um, Redis Salvatore, uh, he's actually working on a solution for message queuing. Basically, building the same like uh, ethos and a lot of the same networking libraries as Redis, but building one for it um and so he's but 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 you can because a lot of people it's like a swiss army life you can use redis for a lot of things and everyone seems to be building uh, a message queue on top of redis because it's so simple but rabbit mq does give you like this act nack thing so right like if your network splits um you haven't acknowledged the message so the, cl- the server is going to send it the broker is going to replay it when the next time yeah. you get it you, you don't have that lost.
1: and that's the thing when you get into a real message queuing system is that guaranteed delivery element right. i'm going to keep trying until i get an acknowledgement
2: right exactly so um and so that's a little bit more, uh, it's a bit more robust, um, but, it, but at the cost of having an extra infrastructure and, in, you know, that you have to maintain in your, in your stack. Uh, whereas Redis, you're probably always already going to have it anyway because it's, it's, it's just so good for everything. Like we use it for, um, uh, a server event, you know, a server events, we have this, uh, uh, real-time notifications you can actually we, you can load balance that too so we have a, a, a central you can use redis so if you have a load balanced number of servers you can actually send um they can all kind of participate in the same channel by base yeah. because because it all goes through a, a redis as a decentralized broker basically um so it, it, it's 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 like a for something life it, it's like most performance heavy startups using it and now azure exactly they've drawn it they've dropped uh, support for their app fabric, their competing solution. They're basically recommending Redis now as well. Um, nice. it, yeah, it, I think I think you, any high performance service solution is going to have it. Like Twitter basically runs the tweet stream on it. Like they've got some massive. Wow. Uh, yeah, they have got terabytes. i have
1: something. Yeah, it, It's just a lot of traffic.
2: Yeah, it, yeah, and it, and like the the stream that you get is basically in memory.
1: So if you're going to go down this messaging path, you pretty much have an architectural requirement for having a response channel independent of your. You know, messages are all one way. So you you can't request a set of data, you know, send up a set of data and expect a bunch of data to come back. You got to sort of send it up and then yeah. listen to another channel for the receiving data.
2: Right. So it's it's it, that's called the request reply pattern, which is kind of built yeah. in. So basically, what happens is uh, the person who sends it. Uh, there's a reply-to field, and you, you, and so you, what, what you do is the person. It's it normally. It's great. It's all asynchronous, so it has to be decoupled, right? You can't yep. rely on time based based on it. Um, so when you when you do send a, and you want a response back, you have a reply-to on the um, message field on the on the on the, on the, on the basically the headers in the in the field that holds the message in RabbitMQ. So when the server gets it, it, it the client who sends it. Uh, Picks a temporary queue, sends it to the reply to, starts listening to that queue, sends it the message to the broker, and then basically waits for a message to return on that temporary queue, which is the it's how you get the reply pattern. Um, so yeah, we support that uh, nat- naturally. So, um, and I will say one thing that we a special thing that we do that reply to. Uh, field that you sent on the thing can be a URL to a different service stack service, so you could send it and it could reply by calling a web service back. I mean, that's just an extra value added that we can we can do. Um, so that that's a really nice feature that I don't think anyone else has.
1: Yeah, you know, it's a, it's definitely a distinct thing. So products free, uh, it's open source, right? We can we can download it from the service stack site. Where does the source code live? Do you have a, a GitHub site as well?
2: It's all on GitHub slash stack, all the projects there. Uh, it's, uh, AGPL, which is a, you know, like, it's a non-commercial friendly license. That's why we have a commercial license. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, it's the one that Storman likes, right? Because <laughs> he, because he, then it forces everyone who uses it to be open source. Um, so, and a lot of commercial companies don't want to do that. They want to develop closed source, uh, you know, solutions. So yeah, all, all the source code, all the demo apps, everything's on GitHub. Uh, uh so under service, GitHub slash stack. And then all the live demos, it's on a GitHub slash Surfstack apps. Um, and they're basically all these simple um, demonstrations of, what you, of stuff built with Surfstack.
1: And you have lots of contributors, although you are utterly dominating.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the thing with open source. I mean, you, you develop something useful. Don't expect anyone to push the features other than, like, the maintainers, right? Right. Uh, what they do is they they you know they want it to work in their situation, so they're driven by their own requirements. So if they find a bugs, it, it, they might want to they might fix it. So all these contributions are, are fixes back to things they want it to work. Right. Um, there, there's definitely we definitely have you know some core contributors actually contributed features like they have they had idle time and they want to help, uh, but you know the majority. You, 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 you know, when you when you make something open, this is a lesson I learn over time. When you make something open source, uh, you, you have to push it the whole way through. I mean, you, you know, you're the you're the, you're it, the it doesn't uh, change
1: who actually does the development, especially in this yeah. particular model where, look, any contribution you make ultimately is going to show up in the commercial edition as well.
2: So we don't have another we, we don't have another version. We only have the, yeah. You
1: only run one version, okay. which makes yeah. total sense.
2: Yeah, Um yeah. I mean, they 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 contribute it, and they, and they get it gets. But they're using it. The people that contribute are yeah. customers. They they and so the the nice thing about it is that they don't have to wait for like normally if you if you make a request for service that you know like for a for a Microsoft Framework, it takes ages for it to get to be evaluated and be a you know, part of the release cycle and all that stuff. But we, every time we can do it in an hour. We can do it within an hour. Like make a change then. You know, accept it and send out a new PR, and then they just get the pre-release package. So the, the turnaround time—you don't have to work around limitations. You can actually. Uh, a lot of people—they just send the the PR or tell us, and we, we do it, and then we just ship a new version, and then they just they just start using that. So that's a, so so in between the releases, we have this pre-release feed, and that's that's and we constantly ship it almost every day, multiple times a day. People ask for features and stuff like that, and so it's really like it, it's a nice story because otherwise you'd be forced to work around it. Like if they if you know if you don't have an accessibility option to a feature then you kind of have to have all all this machinery but because it's open source they can just contribute it and like open it up and and then you know they they get it quickly
1: right and and you have as much control as you you want to have here although this i mean it's a pretty deep set of libraries here on Mm -hmm. service stack uh in the github repository so i got to think your contributions are also going to come to people who want to couple it up to other platforms not there's many left
2: no No, I mean, <laughs> no, it really is just fixes. We, we do the whole, you know, cross-platform thing. Yeah. Um, so, we, and we, like, we have, like, the ORM, like, it's a code-first ORM. So, one thing, another thing about like apart from the message design and, and housing your services, and, and, I mean, simplicity is the major goal here, but um, is, is that all the libraries that we have, and this is how we get a lot of simplicity, they, use the, they just work with POCO. So, the same simple class declaration, you can save in ORM Lite, which saves it in a database, you can save in Redis, you can save in caching. You know, uses configuration. You get maximum reuse of your models of your own models in all the different libraries. So that's why we kind of that's kind of why we maintain all these different libraries because it's it's the only thing that really works really well that we can kind of guarantee that it works in every every provider that we have. And so it just eliminates a lot of the friction. Like. Yeah, so we've we've got built-in auto-mapping. You know, you can serialize it to an object and deserialize again. It's uh, it, it basically we treat poker's like butter, and it just removes a lot of the friction. And then it's up to you, like, to decide if you want a different model for for different things. But but we maintain the whole thing, like the database, the Redis caches, the different cache providers, just so we can ensure that a clean development experience. Um, and and, and stuff like that. You know, I. I um, like orm oh, light like, was the one of the first code first ORMs. I, I can't imagine using anything else it just it just works like it's it it it's it's extension methods over an ad data connection there's no like like abstraction you like, the 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 type link provider that you have um you know it's it's completely like cross-platform like it's the only one where i can kind of guarantee that i know if i switch to a different database it's just going to work right and so i, I so i have a complete you know, and, and it just works the way I think it should work. It doesn't have these in hidden magic state or, you know, these, all you're doing is mapping to I clean. can't
1: imagine what ORM you're talking
0: about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah.
0: Dennis, <laughs> uh, this might be a difficult question to answer yeah. because especially it's your baby. But yeah. are there any areas of using Service Stack or any situations in which people are going to run into trouble? You know, they try to use it for something it's not meant to do?
2: Um. Hmm. Well, so so the way I I develop apps now and what I'm focused on is like single page apps. Uh, so you can build the heavy websites with it. I don't recommend to because I don't even I don't think I think it's bad reuse. So if you use like, you know, if you use MVC, you have this hidden validation state or, mm-hmm. you know, they have this server side generated thing. It's much cleaner to use an to use JavaScript to, to submit to submit the form. And because because within that one line of JavaScript, it can automate the the errors come back on the DTO, so they're not hidden magic state, right? It comes right. back on the DTO, and the JavaScript automatically binds it to your page. So I'm just infinitely more productive developing it this way. So a lot of the a lot of the demos, they that you know even the server generated Razor pages, um. They they're just really productive, and also we don't need you don't need a controller to 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 build a razor page. We have great support for calling that page directly, so mm-hmm. you don't need the extra overhead of a controller, the actions, the view model. You can get you know we, we so that's the type of development model we we kind of like uh, promoting, mm-hmm. um, because it makes a lot. And the good thing about developing a JavaScript app that calls your your official services. You get automatic reuse for free that, you know, you sure. naturally build an Ajax app, but then you're, you automatically got an API. You're effectively a consumer of your API and for free, you'll get mobile support. You'll, you'll get, Swift, you know, you can build a Swift native app or a Java Android app, you know, just because you've built the app in, in a, you know, using Ajax for, for the communications kind of thing. Um, so I think if you want to build like server side rendering with the view, like the view model state, we, we still actually support it. Because uh, we actually have a copy of the MVC open source for that part of it, but um, it's not something I I encourage. So I think if you are building apps that way, you know I think you should be using MVC for that. Mm-hmm. But basically, because it's not a focus that I um, that I think you should be building either. I think sure. you get way more value, value way better responsiveness. You know, the overall better product if you and and the the code reuse is is it you know is is fantastic. Like the way you do with with the service stack. You have a, a bootstrap form, the form has all the different fields, and and the bootstrap has this convention of putting like um these error spans next to the field. And so with service stack all you have to do is, is bind that form within it with a jQuery function and it, it automatically um it binds the validation error message to, there's no extra code that you have to do. Right. And then it like, it then it does like things like su- disable the submit button. And then it like adds a class loading form. So you get the sprite. So it provides a really great experience. Um, and, and, and because it's JavaScript is just so much better to genericize UI right, log- right. logic. You, and so if you had to do all that effort with MVC, uh, or you or you have to do all that effort on the server side, you just, it's a lot of it's not reusable and it's, you know, it creates a lot of friction and inertia, but that's the way that okay. like, A lot of server pages work. So I think if you're building a server app where you have the the form is you're not communicating with um, a service. So you're not publishing it to an actual service by, you know, JSON or, or, or form post or the the HTTP form post, which is, uh, the form data. Then, and you want to actually post it to a web page that, that model of, of, of websites, then, you know, you, you just use like or Nancy, NBC or Nancy, I'm guessing.
0: What's the uh, what's the relationship between server stack and and Xamarin? What's the Xamarin support look like?
2: Uh, so it's fantastic um, because the same. So we actually have PCL clients, right? So, uh, yeah. So your DTOs, their only dependency is a PCL DLL. That whole DTO you can again you can use on the client. We have uh, the C sharp the, the the actual the full C sharp client, which is um, you know it provides all the APIs you get that for free it's it's it we have, it's PC compatible so it's on it works on iOS so you get naturally uh, a great mm-hmm. uh, UI uh, story for it so you, there's no code gen you don't need to do anything you get this really clean API as good as APIs, as you would if you de- um, developed with a, a full .net client kind of thing um, and and so it's and the nice thing about it we have also got uh, a credit adjacent uh HP client version of a JSON client so it's actually built on Microsoft's HTTP client and the reason why that's good is because uh, Paul Betts built built this thing called Modern HTTP Client, which is kind of like a uh, an adapter for HTTP Client to take over the, the the transport of it, and that actually um, uses the native underlying OS, um, the underlying uh, network stack. So that he has a binding for the object, you know, the Objective C uh, NSURL URL connection, and for Java, he uses a different library. But the good thing about that is that you're um, using the OS because mono, mono uses the Mono version. Like if you use the web web um the Hp web request you're using a, a dot um a dot mono version of that but if you're using a modern HP client you're using the underlying OS networking api which is which is more stable for like three g connections like that they have it's it's it, it and it uses less battery and stuff like that so it's actually a, a it's good um it's a good option for for mobile apps because uh, okay. so we actually have a really good story for 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 mobile apps and we have an ID for Xamarin studio so and, and, and as well as Visual Studio. So you can actually do the same thing. File, right click, add so stack reference. Wow. Get all houses. the DTOs and, 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 and all that stuff as well.
1: And I want to make a call back to Darren Fuller's comment about the authentication story and service <laughs> fact. Cause mm-hmm. I just, I just pulled up the authentication authorization pages mm-hmm. on, on the GitHub wiki. Mm-hmm. You got them all. Yeah. 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 We got, here. we got them all. Uh, Windows auth, basic auth, yeah. digest auth, custom yeah. creds, Twitter, Facebook, GitHub, Yammer, Yandex, VK. Mm-hmm. Yep. What the heck is "odnoklassny"? <laughs>
2: and that's because we have a Russian customer, so he's, there you he go. Uh, <laughs> he, co- he contributed to the Russian social networks, so all that's these so are awesome. also for the Russian. Yeah.
0: I have a feeling we could talk for hours and <laughs> still not cover the depth. Of so much stuff. Of this product.
2: Yeah, it, it's a, I mean. The one thing the reason why there is it's accumulated a lot is that we've never had to rewrite anything the The, the models we picked have just sustained over time. like that the, you know I talked last time we talked was about that Christmas model architecture. That right. hasn't changed. It's always been the same like uh, the same model because so basically you have the single model and everything works off that. Um, yeah, and the nice thing about the auth providers. Is that it's it's very like uh, apart from supporting all those author providers, we also support the back-end repository. So you can use any you can store it in any RDBMS, so it's SQL Server, Postgres, MySQL, SQLite. Um, you can store it in uh, you know RavenDB. You can store it you know in Redis in memory. So so you can also swap out the backend and in Mongo as well. Um, and it, so it's very it's very clean. And it, and it also uses the caching provider you have. So it's very modular as well. No, I mean, it's, it's, great. And the thing is, if you look at the eight, the UI, it's like a single line per auth provider. It's completely declarative. Um, it's, and a lot of I mean, people have actually used it. <laughs> they they use Service Stack just to use the auth-provoked model in MVC. They don't even use the web framework. They just use the. They just want it to integrate to use the because it's just so easy to configure, kind of thing. Wow. Um, yeah. So it's no, it's great. I mean, it's a great story. So I'm not he might have had an issue that you know a couple of years ago when he had it, but we I think we have got a fantastic story. It's very it's like the minimum amount of code you can you need to enable it.
0: So are there um, current Plural site video training or other things that uh, you can point us to that cover the latest version?
2: On the website, um, uh, we 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 list the books. People have uh, written some books on it, and and John Somers has written. Uh, he's done a few uh site videos, and Jesse Liberty as well. He's created a couple as well. Um, yeah, it's. It, we, I mean, all this all this stuff we kind of leave for everyone else to do. <laughs> like I've never actually given a like, except for one talk I did in. Uh, Xamarin, uh, uh, monkey space i i don't actually give talks and stuff i yeah. kind of lead, lead the community to do that um and and this is like the fifth <laughs> this is the second radio show being have on <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh so these uh books and everything they talk about the current version the latest version
2: uh probably not it would be whenever they it was published it, it um yeah. it will be up to um there is someone else working another one which is which i'm kind of interested in seeing I, I always definitely love seeing seeing that and um you know obviously people contribute
0: but if you get the the gist of it you know then all this new stuff is just gravy right
2: yeah this is this is the thing like what i think a value, value proposition is is the little the littlest thing that you need to know is because it, we have a single simple model like that that this that message pipeline the, all these different action filters, the global filters—it's the same signature. You can move that like anywhere, that you know, sort of thing. And so, um, and uh, so, I think we we do it like the whole thing is very very simple. So we, add, you can add these features to your service without even knowing that, and you get them for free. So, like we have auto um, batched requests. So every single request that you do, you can actually send it in a batch and execute it like in one HP request kind of thing. And your services are none the wiser. Well, we just the same thing with um, encrypted messaging. We actually support message level encryption. So using a hybrid Mac strategy, it works with all your services and you didn't have to know about it kind of thing. Um, so the, the, we're able to like add generic features on top just better, just because of our, our design uh, that, that we kind of promote. Um, so yeah, so so every time we add a new feature, it's like they add, people add a new plugin and then and then you're away.
0: Wow, Demis, I think we're we're just about out of time. Is there one more thing you want to squeeze in before we go?
2: Yes, uh, auto query is probably uh, one of the best features. Um, it lets you develop just create a single request DTO, and and it actually exposes all the uh, auto query functionality, all the query functionality for that table, um, in, in, and you didn't have to create an implementation. By just by just basically declaring a single request DTO, so we have a we, uh, demo called Stack So that whole UI is powered by a single request DTO. And if you click on the, the fork on GitHub link, you actually see that request DTO. Um, wow. And so that and again, I, I don't want to freak you out, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you, you all, we also have an automatic UI native UI on um, iOS. So we have an uh, iPad UI and you don't actually have to have written, have written an implementation. You can uh, you go to the, this auto-query viewer, point, point, give it your service tech URL, and you get this uh, native UI with a, with all the querying kind of built into the UI. So you, you can actually, you know, with without any logic, kind of um, see... Ah, uh, query like you know, your CIOs could basically use their iPad to query your services, and you didn't actually have to write. You just have to, You just created a, a class definition. You didn't have to write the implementation. Oh so it's a really great feature. Um, and and I will say that the approach that we've taken is is the contrast between how you know I develop it based like um, maximizing reusability and remote service kind of the uh, remote service best practices versus how Microsoft would do it, which they actually have a. Whole organization, you know, that have multiple spec versions. They have a they have a certain way that they approach these features. Yeah. Um. And 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 if, if you read the AutoQuery documentation, you you get to see the difference. Like like there is so little incremental knowledge that you need to know to use Auto AutoQuery, compared to something about learning a completely new framework. And I think that's 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 kind of the ethos behind behind it. And I think that's why we have a really good um, word of mouth.
0: Damis, you have our undivided attention. I think uh, there's going to be a lot more downloads after today.
2: Oh, perfect! Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm actually happy that we have a lot of downloads as well. Yeah, you do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Well, we hope we got the word out for you, and and thanks for th- thanks for developing this. This is great yeah. stuff.
2: Awesome. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Much appreciated.
0: All right. We'll see you next time on .Net Rocks.